Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Way. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And before we descend on our Bible study today, I would like to remind you that all of my Bible studies are free for you to download and copy. And all of my Bible studies come with no strings attached. There's no registration requirements. There's no email required. No subscription fees. There's no thumbs up. Uh, there's no like buttons. And you will never have to pay a penny for any of the Bible studies. My only goal in creating this podcast and the website is to connect you with Christ Jesus. And he paid the price for all of us. Amen. Now, if you do visit our website, we do have a voluntary contact form. And that's only if you would like to receive my latest Bible study before it gets posted to our website, but it's 100% voluntary. The website, if the, our website is www.hopeisaprayerway.com. Now, let's get into the Word of God. And in today's Bible study, we are going to be studying the Epistle of Jude. And this is by far my favorite book in the Bible. And the reason is because of the content it's one page it's one page but i assure you if you are uh, new to christ this is a uh, this is this is the right page for you to begin and you'll understand as we uh, get into our studies today i think it's relevant and i think it's one of the few um page one of the few letters if you will that relate to us today and that we can join the heroes from the past in taking action and standing up tall for Christ and taking care of his church and taking care of our brothers in the faith that are new uh, so that they don't get discouraged. So today we're going to do an etymology of of Jude. Who was Jude? The name Jude in the Hebrew origin means praised. And Jude was a servant of Jesus Christ, and he was also the brother of James. And we're going to be looking today, the title of our, our, of our study, study today is Contending for the Faith. And we're going to be looking at Jude verses 3 to 4. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into a license for immorality and they denied Jesus Christ our only sovereign Lord Jude 3 through 4 now what does Jude mean by the faith let us define what is faith and in this article I present a brief analysis of Jude 3 4 along with a semi-comprehensive bio, uh, bibli bibliography of commentaries, articles, monographs, and other works on Jude. 
Like I said, this he, he this is my favorite book. Uh, in preaching Jude, especially verses 3 through 4, one must pay attention to a few things. First, what is the faith to which Jude refers? Well, faith is a reference to the body of basic Christian doctrine and Christian truth. This body of basic Christian doctrine is that for which we are earnestly to contend. Now notice that it is the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Remember that we are God's saints. Amen. We're set apart. We are supposed to, we're, we're holy. Now the substance of the apostolic faith, this body of doctrine is complete. And in the Greek it really means once for all delivered. And must be governed and the meaning of the terms in which the doctrine is defined and discussed. This is similar to what John said in Revelation 22 verses 19, where he instructed the reader not to add or to take away from the word. In other words, teachers, preachers of the, of the, of the word were not supposed to add or take away. You read what's there, you interpret what's there. Now Christians are to take the basic doctrines of the, the faith and live by them, extracting from them further implications and principles for Christians living. And you know, friends, I see people and pastors are writing these books and that book and all that. You don't need anybody else's books. No one can write a book better than Jesus. No one. All you have to do is get in there and extract all of the meanings. Look for the words. They have, they, they have principle. They have, they have guidance in them. All you need is your Bible. And we're also supposed to contend for the faith to make sure that it is not denied nor distorted. Now, Paul used similar term terminology in 2 Timothy 4, 7, wherein he stated that he had remained faithful to the deposit of truth, this doctrinal core to which all believers should adhere. Second, doctrine must be translated into contemporary Christian experience. God himself must be known not merely the speculations of others about God. For one to be keen in understanding God's word and defending it, one, one must know it. This occurs through a personal relationship with God in Christ. And you know, that's the difference with Christianity. Christianity, we have a relationship with God. It's voluntary. You cannot earn your salvation. It's free. He wants to be a part of your life every day. He wants to talk to you. He wants to guide you. But only if you want him to be there. And if you don't, he respects that. He leaves, you know, he's always there ready. But he won't force himself upon you. Now, thirdly, the faith of the church is one 
though disagreements in theology exist. And you know, that's okay. That's healthy. You, you may look at a verse and you may say, well, I believe it has this and this and this in it. I may say it has this and this and that. And uh, I just finished a study um, that hopefully you'll be a part of, and it's coming up. And it's about the rapture of the church and the different views of the rapture. And friends, that's all healthy. You know, these are people, and including myself, that, you know, we're students of the word. And uh, we keep growing and God keeps showing us things. That's healthy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not that you're distorting the word. It's your interpretation of what it's saying for the end of times it, as an example. So consider Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as you were called in, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Wow. Though theologies are in conflict, the faith of the Lord is one. Number four, keep an open mind with respect to theologians and theologies, but hold firm to orthodoxy. Like I said, you know, we can all have different opinions on, 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 a, uh, on a matter of, 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 of the Bible, but hold on to the truth, hold on to the Bible. And hold on to the meaning. Keep an open mind about the popular theologies of the cool pastor du jour. What does he mean by that? Well, we're going to get into a little bit more. And we're going to definitely hit on some of these so-called cool pastors du jour. Study and reflect on their thoughts. But the truths once for all delivered the basic doctrines of the faith as they have come down to us are not open for debate as their veracity and finality. So, you know, if you are in a church or if you're new to the faith, there is a doctrinal system. And, and if your church isn't teaching you doctrine well see doctrine is the basic principles it outlines what it is that god the father did what is the role of the son what he did the bible doctrine the doctrine of man there's many doctrines and that gives you the basis you know for you to be able to fight and defend against the truth but if you're not being taught that, you should question why. This is sound doctrine. Jude is saying sound doctrine is not an open question. I agree. Filth, the faith, this doctoral system has two sides. I'm sorry, fifth. The faith, this doctrinal system has two sides. The first is seen in verses 3, the doctrinal side. The second is verse 4, the practical and ethical side. 
Notice how the faith of verse 3 is what is distorted by false teachers in verse 4. They have turned the grace of God into a license for immorality. These false teachers have challenged the faith and affected the ethical and practical life of believers. These verses present two sides of the same coin, doctrine and practice, and an appeal to the faith as being the essential sound apostolic doctrine raises the question, did Jesus have any creeds or confessions? And the answer is no, if speaking in the formal sense. However, the answer is yes, in a material sense. Let us turn our Bibles, please, to Matthew 16. And we're going to be reading out of verses 13 through 17. And it says, quote, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This confession of Peter concerning the identity of Christ is part of the faith, the content of doctrine for Christianity. Consider also 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And Paul is commenting on what has been delivered, what was given to them. The faith, considered and described as the basic content of the gospel. And in part, this is the kerygma, the gospel, which is a necessary part of the faith. And kerygma, what it means is the apostolic proclamation of salvation through Jesus Christ. And finally, consider 1 Timothy 3.16. This text is a message to a young minister about the, about the mysteries of the godliness. What follows is what many think is a hymnic in structure or a confession or a creed. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, and seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, and received up into glory. These confessions are the bedrock of Christian belief 
and are the unquestionable contents of the faith for Jude. Now these doctrinal non-negotiables, if I were to suggest a list of 10 doctrinal non-negotiables, I would include the following. Number one, the inerrancy of scripture. Number two, a literal Adam and Eve. Number three, the sinful nature of humanity. Number four, the deity of Christ. Number five, the virgin birth of Christ. Number six, the sinless life of Christ. Number seven, substitutionary atonement. Number eight, a literal body resurrection. Number nine, a literal second coming. And ten, an eternal literal heaven and hell. I consider these ten to be the foundational first order doctrines that constitute at least in part the faith about which Jude speaks. Now, who must contend for the faith? The second consideration in, in preaching Jude 3.4 is the question of who must contend for the faith? And Jude addresses not only pastoral leaders, but the entire church. So he's including everybody, all of us that we say that we are followers of Christ. We all have a duty and a responsibility to contend for the faith, to contend for the truth. Now, God, through the inspired writings of Jude, places the onus, the burden, on every member of the local church to maintain doctrinal fidelity by protecting the faith. Let me read that again. God, through the inspired writings of Jude, places the onus, the burden, on every member of the local church to maintain doctrinal fidelity by protecting the faith. Friend, it's all of us. And if you're in church and you know that things aren't going right, you have a duty to God to stand up for the faith and challenge what you see. Now, it doesn't mean that we use profane language, no. And you can talk to the pastor in his office and say, Pastor, I see this and this and this, and I, I don't believe it's biblical, and give him a chance. Maybe somebody new in the faith taught a class, and he spoke by mistake, you know, and it could be corrected. So let us not be too hasty, but it is your duty to stand and contend for the faith. Now, if the answer that you are given doesn't satisfy you and it's not biblically doctrine remember friends church is not a social gathering church is where we go to learn the word of god and faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of god so if you're not being fed if you're not growing in the lord you owe it to yourself to find then maybe another church where they are preaching and teaching the word of god and where you start growing now, B.H. Carroll spoke of the treatment of the faith. You betray a spirit of absolute disloyalty 
if you regard with indifference any addition or subtraction from the body of truth once delivered to the saints. Wow. Quote, unquote. Sometimes Christians claim to believe in Jesus but express little interest in the importance of sound doctrine or its protections. And I, I've known Christians for many years that were never taught classes on doctrine. And there's some churches that they don't grow. Well, friends, maybe the reason why your church isn't growing is because people are coming in the door and not learning anything. And the basic foundation of any prosperous church is to teach all of the doctrines. All of the doctrines. Let people grow in Christ. Let them have a hunger and feed their hunger the word of God. Because it's not us that saves you. It's not me reading from the Bible. No, friends. It's the Lord that saves you. And if you come back to this podcast for more, it's because you're looking for Jesus, not for me. But my responsibility is to teach you the truth and to bring to you the faith. So sometimes Christians claim to believe in Jesus, but express little interest in the importance of sound doctrine or its protection. This is like saying, I love flowers, but I do not care about the botany. If you love flowers, you might not know it, but you care about botany. The issue of whether one cares about doctrine is crucial when it comes to the truth of the gospel, and especially the person and work of Christ, Jesus. The reality is that all theologians, though one may not necessarily be trained, professional theologian, some people are their own favorite theologians. Every Christian must be, must be biblically educated theologian who earnestly can contend for the faith. So, when you walk through the door, our jobs as preachers and teachers of the word is to help you grow in God. It's to help you develop your faith. And like I, I, I get back to it again, the bedrock of any church has to be doctrine. That is where we begin. This is how you start learning about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth. Now, why must we contend for the faith? The, quest, the third question is, why? why? Why must we contend for the faith? And Jude provides a simple answer. Because there are false, false teachers. And Christians cannot allow false teachers to do what they, what they do. Jesus, all along with the other New Testament authors, warned of the coming of false teachers. Example, Acts 20, verses 29 through 30. 2 Corinthians 11. Colossians 2, 4 through 5. 1 Timothy 4, 1. 1 Timothy 6, 20. 2 Timothy 4, 3. 2 Peter 2, 1, verses 3 and 4. 
These are texts with direct statements claiming that false teachers are coming and are currently present in our churches now. In this letter, Jude is sounding the alarm. Church, be aware. Now, beyond Jude's simple answer is a second reason we must contend earnestly for the faith. You see, Satan's strategy to counterfeit the true faith is at work. The truth is that it is clearly understood both biblically and experientially. One does not have to read too far into the 2,000-year history of the Christianity to understand Satan's strategy is to counterfeit the truth of God. My mother worked at a bank for many years as a bank teller, and I asked her one time what kind of training she went through to learn how to distinguish a counterfeit bill from the real thing. And she said, none. A bank teller handles so much of the real thing that they can spot a counterfeit in an instant. A true Christian, well-grounded in scripture and doctrine, can spot a counterfeit doctrine instantly. How must we contend for the faith? The fourth question, the fourth question is, how must we contend for the faith? And Jude provides a simple answer, earnestly being translated from the Greek, earnestly. The root of this Greek word in, the, in, in Jude is a form of the word agony. Moreover, the prefixed proposition, preposition intensifies the word. The term was used to describe the agonizing pain one experiences in running a long-distance race. An alternate translation could be earnestly fight, for it is also a military combat term picturing hand-to-hand -hand combat, like a Roman soldier engaged with the enemy, or like more, more our, our, our modern heroes, the, the Navy SEALs and the Special Forces, which, man, I have the utmost of respect, and, uh, and so does my whole family. God bless you guys. You're you're the best of the best. And we have nothing but praise. And we pray for you and your families. Thank you for defending our country. We're so blessed to have you on our side. Also, one who does not stand his ground will be defeated. It is a superlative word of intensity. In other words, let's go, man. Let's fight for the faith. This is how one is to contend for the faith. Correcting doctrinal error must always be taken seriously and refuted in the church. If they are not teaching the right doctrine, you have a duty to refute it. Stand like the Navy SEALs, but just in the church, and refute the doctrinal error and show why. In doing so, however, we must be sure to distinguish between that which is false teaching heresy from that which is a disagreement on secondary doctrinal issues. And like I said, remember that sometimes in order for, for, for pastors to bring along future ministers and preachers and teachers, they give them a class to teach. And sometimes they say things that are wrong, but it's not really 
coming from their heart. It's that they didn't know any better. So, you know, let's take that into consideration. If you know that we have someone that's new and trying to learn more and more about the Lord, and he says something that's erroneous, give him a chance. Talk to him and the pastor and say, hey, you know, so-and-so said this, and I think it's biblically wrong. I think it's doctrinally wrong. And give the chance and give the, the pastor a chance to educate this young uh, teacher in the Lord and give that person a chance to correct themselves. It's when you go and you do that and they keep doing the same thing. Then you might consider uh, challenging the, the doctrinal issue or finding another church where you can keep growing and they're teaching the correct doctrines. So, for example, consider the varying doctrinal interpretation of eschatology. And, and, and like I said, I just finished the course, which you guys will be hearing hopefully soon. Now, those who hold on to premillennialism, some of those are post-tribulational, and believe that Christians are going to go through the great tribulation before the rapture of the church. Others hold to pre-tribulationism, believing the rapture will occur before the great tribulation. Some hold on to a millennial interpretation of eschatology, while others still hold on to post-millennial. The great debate exists among all advocates of these positions, and all are legitimate, legitimate interpretations. Yet none should claim any of the others are heretics, apostates, or false teachers, because disagreements do not always indicate the presence of false teachers. There is a huge difference between eschatological views that are not clearly delineated in Scripture and views such as the deity of Christ, the blood atonement, the second coming, or the virgin birth, that are clearly in Scripture. Denying these doctrines places one outside of the doctrinal orthodoxy. Secondary doctrinal issues, however, should be discussed and debated, but we do not need to contend for secondary doctrinal issues as if they were cardinal doctrines of faith. Christians must not confuse the faith with secondary issues that are able to remain within doctrinal orthodoxy. When we contend for the faith, we should not do so in a contentious manner, even when we are contending with those who are false teachers. In these cases, in these cases, I'm sorry, Christians are to, are, are to contend firmly but in love. We must have an eye toward reclaiming false teachers, if possible, or gaining them for the faith if they've never truly been converted. The message of Jude is vital for the 21st century, for error is rampant in our churches. Truth must be proclaimed and defended. This was Jude's burden, and it ought to be ours to shoulder with him. That's why I love this book. It's because it's, or the epistle, because it's one 
of the few, I think, in my opinion, the only epistle that that gives us the opportunity to join Joshua, Moses, and all of the other Paul, and all the other great biblical heroes of past in contending and fighting for the faith. Let me share this with you. When I was a police officer, I always tried to focus on being proactive. And this meant trying to stop crimes before they are committed. Most times the police get called out after the crime is committed and the person is gone. And then we start, you know, trying to build up evidence and look for the person. So I always try to focus on things that I can do to help and to protect people. So I focused a lot of my efforts on stopping drunk drivers from killing themselves or from killing or seriously injuring themselves and or other innocent people. Now the book of Jude for me is my favorite book in the Bible because I believe it is the only book in the Bible that offers any one of us the opportunity of being proactive. And while we can't join our past biblical heroes and their respective battles with and for our Lord in contending for the, for the faith, it does give all of us the opportunity to rise up and stand along for Christ, for the sacrifice Jesus made for all of us on Calvary. And let us join in past our, let us join our past biblical heroes in contending for the faith today. So you can either stand tall for Jesus and our faith, or you can do nothing and be an accomplice to Satan and his false prophets and teachers of our age. By aiding and abetting them as they systematically destroy our faith, perverse, perverse our doctrines, laugh in the face of our Lord when these charlatans walk to the pulpit every Sunday wearing $1,000 custom suits, wearing gold presidential watches, Rolex watches. Oh, and by the way, forget I forgot. They drive up to the church driving Bentleys, Mercedes-Benz, Rolls-Royce. Oh, and let us not forget that they travel in private jets. And if you want to book one of them to come to your church to deliver, the phony baloney that they have to say, then you must, for some of these uh, false teachers and false preachers, you must put them up and their entourage at a five-star hotels. And their honorariums, the money that, they're, that, they, that you have to guarantee them and pay them before they come for speaking the phony baloney that comes out of their mouths, be prepared to pay them approximately between $25,000 to $50,000. The preacher and teacher of all preachers and teachers never charged a penny. And you know what his honor honorarium was? Dying on the cross of Calvary to save all of our souls. And he charges not a penny for giving us eternal life. 
This is why you will never have to pay a penny for any of my biblical studies. For Jesus paid the price for all of us. Amen. And I want to lead you today, if, if you don't know Jesus, and you would like to know Jesus, today's your day. Today's your day to accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior. And study and prepare yourself and contend for the faith. Educate yourself so you can teach all of the doctrines. And you can have your students one day become pastors and, and leaders of churches. And you're going to say in a small way, like the Apostle Paul felt of Timothy, called him his son in the faith. You're going to have that joy. And friend, I tell all of my Bible students, I want you to picture in your mind how when you see someone and you want to greet them, how you extend your arm out and your hand comes out and and you want to say, hey, so-and-so. And how do you feel when the person ignores you and doesn't shake your hand? Pretty bad, right? That's a pretty bad feeling. And you know, friends, that's how Jesus feels. Because for days, months, and years, every day, he extends his hand out to you, hoping that you would shake his hand, that you would welcome him into your life, and that you would have a relationship with him. But it's only if you want to. Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody. And friend, if you would like to shake hands with the Lord today, I'm going to say a prayer, and you pray along with me if you'd like. Lord Jesus, today I repent of all of my sins. I ask you, Father, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. Please make me new. I want to shake your hand, Lord. I want you in my life every day. Please, Lord, walk with me. Talk to me. Guide me. Help me grow in your word so that I can contend for the faith, just like in the book of Jude we studied today. And I thank you, my Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. And friend, if you said that prayer, I do believe that you were born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible teaching and preaching church. Grow in Christ. Get that Bible and just go through it, devour it. Ask the Lord to give you understanding and remembrance and apply the word first to yourself and then to others like I do. And friends, I would like to take a second, if you would, please indulge me. And if you're listening, will you pray with me too? 
And let's pray for all the false teachers and preachers in the world. Let's pray that God would change their hearts, that maybe they hear this podcast and that they realize that they've been doing wrong by, by the word of God. And let's pray that they would all change, that they would all turn a corner and come back to Christ. And if you're a preacher and this, and this uh, Bible study applied to you, friends, remember, let us not be prideful. And we're not perfect. And we all know as preachers and teachers of the word that all we have to do is ask for forgiveness and come back to Christ. Come back to the joy of preaching and teaching the truth of leading people to Christ. For me, that's the ultimate when I help lead people to Christ. And for a lot of these preachers, it was too at one point. Heavenly Father, I am a preacher. And Lord, I have drifted away from your word. I ask you to please forgive me. I ask you, Lord, to please come back into my life. Let me start fresh with you, Lord. Let me get my church and start teaching the doctrines that I need to. Let me start feeding your people. Let me start doing everything that I need to do to be right with you. Please forgive me, Lord. Have mercy on me. And I want to walk with you from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. And brother, sister, if you said that prayer, I do believe that the Lord is forgiving you. Stand tall for Christ. Remember that all the things in this world are temporary. But eternal life is eternal. And no one can take that away from us. And we only walk on this earth days. Make them count. Man, if you love Christ, I want to make every day count. I want to try every day to win souls for Christ. Amen. So I cl close out this podcast and I honor the late Pastor John H. Osteen. And Pastor Osteen would always close out his TV sermons with what I believe to be the best phrase I've ever heard. And this, is, and this is what he would say. Keep Jesus first place in your life and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. And I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Our podcast is broadcasted at 10 a.m. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time, and I thank you.